You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Welcome to episode number 24. Joining me today from Bordeaux, France is Dan Arscott. Dan is a third-year physics student and creative who has a passion for cooking and also helping young people embrace their own innate well-being. This is the first time I had the pleasure of talking to Dan one-on-one. I'm excited for this conversation. So, welcome, Dan. I'm very glad to have you with me today. I'm glad to be here. So, Dan, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yep. So um, currently I'm 20 years old and uh, I'm in third year of university, currently uh, doing Erasmus in France. And um, I've been sort of around the principles for around sort of three years. So since the start of university and um, like really sort of the differences between now and before have been sort of amazing. But apart from that, um, I'm uh, interested in like food, cooking, um, that sort of stuff apart the reason why I'm in France. Um, but yeah, no, I've, um, yeah, looking forward to having this conversation. As am I. What is, what did you call it? An Erasmus? Yeah, Erasmus. So that's what, um, like the international experience is called within the EU. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I will see about, uh, after, um, uh, Brexit stuff, whether it'll be still Erasmus. Or not, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I'm quite lucky. Um, I got in before all that sort of stuff happens. Under the gun. So you spent two years in university in Bristol and then you did yeah. it there. Um, so you mentioned the three principles in your, when you were talking there. Do you want to tell listeners what, what are they for you? So I used to, back in the day when I first got introduced to them, I knew them as the three principles. But actually now my sort of understanding of it has sort of transcended just those things. Nowadays, I can't really describe it anymore what the principles are. And um, for me, especially because of my backgrounds within science, I definitely see a strong connection between sort of principles and actually what I sort of innately sort of knew because of science. So essentially for me, what it means is that, um, our experience is completely, it comes from within ourselves. We, we often claim that something's making me feel anxious. Something's making me feel stressed. And, um, but now actually it's realizing that those things innately don't have any value, any emotional intrinsic value. We're the ones that project it. And, um, so for example, it could be that I have an exam and it goes really terribly. And, um, before I would feel like horrible just because I thought, thought that all my value, um, was coming from that exam. Like if I failed, then, um, I would think I was stupid. I would think I wasn't hardworking. Um, whereas now I see it as just a piece of paper. Because that's all it is. Yeah. It has a grade on it. And great, if it if it's low, then sure, I need to maybe rethink how I'm revising or yeah. if I need to do a retake. But it has no worth to me. It has no mm. emotional worth anymore. So it's yeah. taking the power away from it. And to me, that's really powerful. It's incredible. I just think of when I was in university, how much that, like how that would have made a difference. How did you first 
kind of come across as, because you say like there's right, it's hard to describe it, but like it's just, it's really an understanding of how we work, how the human operating mm. system works. Um, yeah. How did you first come across it? So originally my mum, she, she's a, so she's a coach and uh, she came across it. And um, this is back when I was still living at home. And so it was just me and my mum and uh, we'd sort of discuss it. And um, I was, I I used to pick it up quite quickly just because again, it was something that really made sense with me. Um, And it wasn't just something that I understood sort of logically, because I think there's a difference between you understanding something in your head and then you, understanding it in your heart right and um i was fortunate enough to actually pick it up sort of quite quickly or have those sort of um realizations those moments um so i picked it up yeah originally from my mum but i would say that my um my sort of science background really helped me personally i mean i I say that but then that's how i see the principles um but i know that lots of other people they have different ways of sort of viewing it um, like for me personally, it's the idea that um, the laws of physics don't have anything against you. Uh, so Newton's laws of gravity, they're not <laughs> saying like, we, don't, we don't like this person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if everything in the universe is then based upon those laws of physics, then how can anything have any intrinsic value? Mm. It's like um, I give an example of say I have a childhood book that I love or a childhood toy. And um, that toy has a, a mass, it has a um, density, it has all these physical properties, but it doesn't have any emotional value, intrinsic value. Like to one person, that could just be a, a, a pile of junk that they would throw away. But then to me, that is extreme, that has extreme value. So really, who's right here? Is it me or is it another person? Well, it's neither of us. Right, yeah. Because we're the people projecting the value onto these things. So actually... If, say, I destroyed that toy or whatever that I loved, I would feel I would have those thoughts of thinking, oh, this is really sad because this toy represents all of this. But really, like, it's just a, something that's I thought something I've broken or something that I've sort of burnt or whatever. And it's no more than that. So um, it's, yeah, it's just changing your perspective on things. And it's making things less personal, uh, yeah, less personal. So when your mom first had a conversation with you about it, did you get it right away? Or were you like, oh, you know, like, and then did she have conversation? Did you read something? Did you like, I gave you your insights? I didn't really sort of, um, it it wasn't like a a massive eureka eureka moment. Um, And that's why it's really hard to pinpoint exactly when my thought pattern shift. Um, However, I think... So it was over time. So it was when I, I think it was first time of university, this is when I moved away from home. And um, me and my mum would still have these sort of conversations. And um, I would, uh, she would send me links. Um, oh, I also remember reading uh, Mara Gleason's book. Mm, one, um, thought, uh, one Thought, is it One Thought Changes Everything? I think so, something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really liked that. Yeah. And um, because what was different about it is that it wasn't talking deeply about the principles. It was talking about real life examples that she'd gone through and right. seen, seen her clients go through. And it was using the sort of analogies and these examples, which were much more powerful for me than 
someone writing a book explaining kind of theoretically like almost like a textbook yeah what's going on um because again that doesn't that doesn't really make you sort of understand it in your heart yeah Um, so it's just having those insights it's a personal thing. I mean, what insight kind of what might stand for you might have taken me a while to get to. And do you find like it's it's you scratched the surface three years ago and then just kind of you just keep going deeper and deeper? <laughs> um, yes, very much so, actually. <laughs> and uh, it's got to the point where I've actually had a few ex- existential crises. Crisis-y, crisis-y. Uh, I'm not sure what the plural <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the word um, police can, can follow up. <laughs> um, so actually, so mum and I were talking and we came to the conclusion that there is no meaning to anything. And uh, that, that really uh, <laughs> created a bit of a spiral thinking, oh my God, like why are we, why are we getting so stressed out yeah. about life? Um, but also what was interesting for me is realizing that um, if if certain things no longer, so if things don't make me feel anxious anymore, so if, say, um, I know my boss is yelling at me, that, like before that made me anxious, but now it doesn't. So that link between him shouting and me feeling something, like I no long, I see that no longer exists, like, um, that cause and effect. However, it works on this other way in terms of the, the good feelings. Um, so, for example me seeing friends, like, I know, it's weird, because I know now that the happiness that I feel is not because of them, yeah. it's the thoughts I have about them, but because I know it's a good feeling that I want, mm. um, that I kind of, I don't question it as much, but there still has to be this kind of symmetry between the what we deem good and bad. Um, so that was, that was a bit of a weird sort of moment. And probably one of many to come in years. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's funny when I first came across the understanding, like it was just kind of slowly dripping in. <laughs> it was like a, you know. Um, and then I remember um, having a conversation with Rudy and Jenny, and, and Rudy had said, "It's not what you think; it's that you think." And you know, before that, I I, I had heard it, but it didn't. It just, it wasn't going in. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, it's, but it's beautiful. It's, it's just a beautiful kind of thing. It's a beautiful feeling to have when you, when you, it is. what was the shift for you? Like kind of before you came across this understanding and after as a young person. So you were, you came across it before you went to university. Yeah. So just before. And, um, so an example of how the, the changes I felt. Um, so before I used to have this Saturday job and I was just at a local restaurant yeah. and um, I was I was good at the job and the people there were really nice. Uh, yet every time I went in, I had such bad anxiety. Like the night before, I would be petrified of going in. Um, and whenever I, had, I would have some sort of slight criticism at work, I would have like a panic attack or I would just feel so, so awful. Dan, were you um, always like that? Um, I was like to, some, I remember? to some extent. I always had that sort of anxiety. Mm. Um, I think it definitely peaks around sort of A-level. Mm. Um, but there was always some aspects of being, being on edge. And um, especially 
um, because I, I'm also a part of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sort of a lot of people who are sort of from that community, they, they, they have a lot of anxieties because of the amount of stuff that we've seen. Yeah. And, uh, the amount of stuff that we've experienced yeah. almost says to us that life is life should make us anxious yeah um so after afterwards actually so after i um, was to find out about the principles i remember going into work one day and getting through halfway through the day and then just realizing that that common feeling of sort of dread and anxiety just wasn't there anymore um and it was a weird moment because it was almost like i couldn't remember what it was like before yeah um because somehow subconsciously I'd realized that actually it wasn't the work that was making me feel like this. Um, because on paper, like it was a perfect work. It was a perfect job. Like I, I love, I love actually doing it. The people that I worked with were amazing. Like the customers were nice. Um, and I just realized that actually it was all made up. It was a story that I told myself. What was part of that story? Pardon? What was that story about? Was it like about the people? Was it about? Do you remember? Yeah, um, so it was about being a failure. I think mm. about being being less than what I should be. Mm. Um, also, sort of before A levels and even just a bit before GCSEs, um, I was I was originally going to become a chef actually because I I wasn't academic at all and. Um, I remember, I remember there was like a parents' evening back in, it must have been like year five or year six. And um, I remember being, not told to me directly, but so my, my, um, my siblings were also in the same primary school and they were very high sort of um, academically. And the teacher saying, Dan isn't like the other siblings, is he? Um, in terms of my academics. And I was just never thought to myself that I was going to be like that, have that sort of life, all that I was smart or... Yeah. I was just below everyone else. Um, so having that constant feeling of like, if I do anything bad, then, or mess up on anything, then those feelings come back. Yeah. Um, so that was the story that I kept on running in my head throughout everything. So whether that was my work that I did, so if I messed up in the cafe and I, um, I don't miss an order or something, then those feelings of being inadequate would come back. Yeah. But realizing that actually that's all made up because really the only person telling me that was myself. And even if someone else told me that, why should I believe them? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like my, my own judgment is an absolute. Like we, we think to ourselves that what we think is reality because we have nothing else to compare it to really. Um, but really our own, um, our reality is, isn't real because that's all made up of our own thoughts. Um, and if those aren't necessarily true, like it's, it's a big sort of just theater production in a way. It really is. Yeah. I'm just gonna, um, yeah. So we, um, we create this sort of theater production in our head that's hundred percent convincing. And without any questioning, we're going to believe it our whole lives. And uh, so for me, that first production was that I was inadequate and I had all these sort of uh, anxious thoughts and all 
this person didn't like me because I was like this, but all because I'm sort of antisocial or um, I'm too I'm too shy to go to this party. Um, but really, like, where do the where does this all come from? Like, why why am I believing this? And what a weight to carry, like as as a young yeah. person, which I do think a lot of young people do, and all, like, I think as human beings we do. But what a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders at you know what seventeen, mm. sixteen, seventeen years old. Yeah, that's and, a lot. And I think it takes just someone to say, "Why are you believing this?" Like, why? I remember that the quote which I love is, "What are the stories that we tell ourselves that we no longer need to believe?" Mm. And for me, that was so powerful because I didn't even realize I was telling myself all of this. Um, and I would have that voice in my head sort of saying like, oh, you're, you're shit or like you're, um, you're, you're doing a really bad job. But I would never question it. Yeah. Um, so I think having those moments of actually having questioning ourselves and questioning our reality is really important. And for me, that's what the principles are. They're not really principles at all. Like they're just, they're just us questioning our reality, questioning what's real. Yeah. What, what did, I mean, I'm sure people around you at work and stuff must have been like, what happened, what happened to Dan? <laughs> did they notice? Yeah. Or was it um, something you kept really well hidden? I, I kept it quite well hidden. And there were a few moments where I would sort of have to like leave and I would have like a panic attack or uh, whatever. Um, But then apart from that, I I kept it quite well hidden. I, my ability to be good at my job increased a lot um, just because I was no longer so caught up in my head um, that I would be able to actually be more interactive with say like the customers or, um, and then I would have better feedback. So I'd be able to be more present as well. I wasn't worrying about uh, the past or I wasn't worrying about the future. I was actually just in that moment and um, be able to find that sort of serenity in that way. Phil Pettit, um, I'm taking a course with him right now and he has said something last week to me that's just been, it's been sitting with me in such a beautiful way. And it's that, so he says, you're either in your thoughts or you're in the moment. You know, because you can't be in both places at once. And so if you do kind of just let the thoughts flow instead of engaging with it, then you do, you are able to be in the moment. And I'm sure that's something that your colleagues or your coworkers would have felt, your customers for sure would have felt, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And um, I, I carried that through to my first year of university. And normally... It would have been so before with my my previous sort of thinking. It would have been really hard because you're living away from home. Your independency part I was okay with because I had already learned to be fairly independent before. How far um, is London, Bristol? It's only it's only around sort of three hours or maybe two hours actually. Um, so not too too far. Um, and it wasn't that I chose it because it was close to home. It was just um, the university that I, I really liked. But um, I was like, I, I would have, I, I can imagine how I would have been completely swamped by those thoughts and those feelings. But actually, I remember my first term. Actually, I was my my head was so clear, um, and I was able to 
I was able to be so happy because I was just being in the moment and actually thinking, wow, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I actually live, live in my own. I have so much like freedom. I'm so independent. This is great. Rather than because you could have the exact same situation and then thinking, oh my God, I'm independent. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I've got so much work to do. I don't know anyone here. <laughs> exact same situation, but two yeah. completely different stories. What, um, for you kind of going into, you had said that your high school teachers had noted that you weren't so academic and all of a sudden you're going to university for physics. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, quite a leap. <laughs> um, it was really when, so back when I wasn't so particularly sort of academic, I had a lot of stuff going on in my head as well. Um, so it was for me coming to do, uh, coming to terms with the fact that I was, I was gay and also the fact there was a lot of stuff at home happening. So my head was constantly full mm. and try adding more water to a full cup. Yeah. Like nothing new is going to go into your brain yeah. because just it's spilling constantly more. just full. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, it was when I was able to sort of, um, cool my brain down in a way, um, during sort of GCSE time when I had actually a stronger group of friends and, um, so consequently I felt a bit more confident and I was able to actually, um, I was able to clear my head more and actually think, oh no, I actually really enjoy doing these things. And this is before I, I knew about the principles at all, <clears throat> but I was, in my head, I already, and I also thanks to my mum as well, who's a coach, um, I was able to think, well, maybe what, what happens if I am actually good at science? Right, like, yeah. I, I enjoy it. Um, but who's to say that I can't actually do it? Um, so I guess sort of in a way, yeah, it was, that That was sort of the, the, the principles of at work. Um, but without really knowing it. So... I think then because I didn't have, I was trying to fight uh, fight that judgment of uh, saying, "Oh no, I'm not smart enough to do this." Mm. Um, so trying to break that story and all that, break that loop, break um, the and then I kind of yeah discover that I'm actually I, I can do it. It's I don't think sometimes teachers understand how profound a statement can be. I remember um, in high school and my second year math teacher said like I just wouldn't do anything past high school and I thought of this comment when I was in postgraduate school you know getting A's and statistics and stuff and I was just I'm like hmm, you know and it's just it's one of these things where you just never know you know but <clears throat> at that time I, I I took his his statement and was like oh you know and really embrace that unworthiness, <laughs> that story. Yeah. And, uh, because it's almost like any evidence that we can find yeah. that we're not good enough. <laughs> You're going to look take for it. And then we, we grab it and we're just like, this is, this is mine. This is all the proof I need to show <laughs> yeah. that I'm really bad. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of get a bit sort of obsessive in a way about it. And um, we do it harmlessly. Of course. But yeah. we still do it. It's that affirmation and that to sort of continue that cycle of thinking it's funny how we I think I don't know what your experience is but mine is that that people are so ready to kind of latch onto a story that kind of highlights a negative or a fault mm. versus a good 
quality, you know, like, I don't yeah. think I would have embraced if the teacher said, Oh my God, you're brilliant. I, I, I don't think I would have embraced that story in the same way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird how we have that tendency to always swing towards the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's some sort of evolutionary reason why that was uh, sort of helpful for us at some point in the past. <laughs> Maybe but, you'll figure um, that out someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do tend to seek the negative um, or at least uh, believe it a lot more. Yeah. Um, but it's really, yeah, it's just understanding that you, you don't have to in a way. Um, well, and that either story, either good story or bad story is just a story at the end of the day. And here you are, your third year of university doing physics in France. So you're not only doing physics, which to me just blows my mind, um, but you're doing it in another language. So yeah, that's all. I would love to find that teacher um, who who could have made it. (laughs) I remember my uh, teachers, my science teacher, and just say like, um, hey, (laughs) (laughs) guess what I'm up to? How do you like me now? Dan, was but, it? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, was it? Was it? Did you find it different for yourself? Because you said you were just kind of struggling with, with kind of coming. Was it that you were struggling to coming out as being gay, or just kind of the, the, within yeah. yourself? And both. Both help with that. Um, it was so I I felt comfortable with being gay. Um, before the principles, but it would have helped me so much yeah. because beforehand, where I really struggled it was just myself um, because you see so much on the media and there's no back then there was no representation on TV or anything, and anything that you hear is negative, so it was the story which was that gay people are bad they're, they you should be ashamed. Um, they're dirty. They're um, they're all of this, and I believe that so much because that was the only thing that I'd heard, really. Um, like family, I hadn't. Like I'm sure we haven't reached the talks about it really before. Um, like sort of, I remember we had a few sort of gay friends, um, my sort of parents' friends, but um, like in school, it was all negative stuff that I'd heard. Mm-hmm. Um, like even so thinking back in my primary school, which is a Catholic school, um, like I just remember like in the Bible, it's, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was so horrible and it was only, it's only been sort of really recently, uh, within the last couple of years, I'm still sort of unpacking those feelings and questioning them and really thinking like, I remember that. Um, I would never tell, so back in university, I would never tell people when I'd gone on dates uh, mm. because in my head, I still saw that as being a bad thing. Mm. And it was sort of recently that I thought, well, why is that? Why, why do I think it's bad? And then thinking, oh, okay. Like it's because I used to feel like this. Yeah. Um, but now I can question that and then realize, no, I don't, I'm fine with that. I don't need to believe that anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. And again, like the, when, I, when we were talking about what a weight lifted off your shoulders, I can't even imagine what that, what it was like to be a teenager because teenagers also just such a tumultuous time for all of the physiological changes yeah. that are happening in your body and your brain. 
So to have that and then to have this whole other kind of suitcase of, of stories and, and not to, did you share that with somebody? Did you have somebody you could talk to about it or was it? Um, I, so after I came out around GCSE year, so, um, maybe like six years ago. Mm. Um, and I started speaking about it a bit more with, again, with my mum. Um, but it was, it was hard to feel comfortable talking about it. Um, but I didn't really process it myself. I wasn't able to sort of uh, quantify it in a way, mm. um, to express those feelings, exactly what was going on. Because to me, that was my norm. Like that was my reality. Yeah. And we don't question our own reality because again, we don't have anything to compare it to. Right. So for me, it was, it was hard to actually realize that my life could be different. Um, so it was only over the course of the next few years after that, that I was able to actually um, start feeling comfortable within, within myself and actually talking about it more. Um, and yeah, just realizing that I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to believe that stuff anymore. But I, what I really want and I think that um, the principles can be so powerful for other people within the community, the LGBT community. And uh, next year, my fourth year master for my masters, um, I'm hoping to run for the LGBT president for the society in oh, Bristol. Fabulous. Um, so either that or the welfare representative, and um, just to sort of bring in, just to talk about it more. Mm. So I think also uh, the principles can be a bit sort of scary. Um, just saying, <laughs> just saying the principles because, like, it's. Um, I think that there's so much other stuff out there um, in terms yeah. of, um, like, oh, there are these steps for you to feel great, or like <laughs> this energy healing, yeah. or all of that stuff, which um, everyone's entitled to believe what they want. But I, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Um, so trying to actually show people that this isn't like that at all. This isn't anything. This isn't something that you believe in. It's just there. Right. Whether you kind of want to embrace it or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think especially a lot of people at university who struggle with being gay or um, sort of any other identity, having this understanding will really be able to help you so much just because you can, you can again question why, like you can question your own identity really. Yeah. Because what is it that makes you, you like, I remember having this discussion with my mum and it was, we kept on asking the question, like, who are you? Mm. So when we describe ourselves, we say, um, I'm Daniel, I'm doing this degree. I, I, I'm six foot one. I'm, I'm this. Yeah. But that's not who I am. Right. And then you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you realize who you are is actually quite sketchy. Like you're not really sure anymore. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a, so um, have you heard of RuPaul? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a quote, which I love, which is, um, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. So <laughs> the sense of that, <laughs> so the sense of that is, we're all born uh we're all born without these without these stories that we have 
um, yeah. when we're about the sort of identity that we impose on ourselves. Yeah. And the rest of it, the rest of it is drag. So the rest of it is that we we, we find and that we sort of relate to and that we um, that we build our identity off that. But in actuality, our identity is fluid. It's not this set concrete thing. My identity isn't I'm an anxious person. My identity isn't yeah. that I'm, I'm gay. My identity isn't all of this other stuff. Those are just sort of extra sort of facets that I have, yeah. or like with the, the anxiety that those are that's just a transient feeling mm-hmm. that isn't part of your identity. And I think I hear so often people say, "I'm anxious," like I am anxious, yeah. like you are literally an anxious yeah. object. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always Whereas, grasping that kind of to say, oh, you're just like, or you're having anxious thoughts, you know, in this moment. You're having anxious yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you're not. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, because again, we, we don't say like, I am a, um, I don't think like so a positive version. I, mean, I guess you could say like, I'm a happy person. Like that's the, yeah. you can say, uh, we, we tend to want to be more towards that end. But but again, it's like fluid, it flows. You're like, yeah. you know, it's I always kind of equated to being like a seesaw. Like, in order for that to function properly, it goes up and it goes down, and that's like totally. life. It's never going to be all up or all down. It's just there's a flow to it, and if you just kind of stand back or you know lay back and 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 go with that flow, it, life just. It, there's, there's more ease to it and there's more joy you have less you're, you're just less in your head it's more light-hearted really yeah now in, in the literal sense of that like your <laughs> feels like your heart is just that there's less weight <laughs> on your shoulders it's uh, it's it's so hard to describe for you now that have you been having conversations with other like kids in university that you know are in your community and it doesn't just have to be with the lg how was it LG. LGBT. BT. It's, but it's, it's anybody who's kind of struggling. Have you had these conversations? So I have had uh, conversations with a few friends and um, I've, just, I've been very um, sort of just careful, like not careful how I've worded it, but um, I haven't gone in with uh, sort of uh, knocking on people's doors with a uh, manifesto. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have um, I got something mainly, for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to learn about Sydney Banks? <laughs> yeah, they're missing link. <laughs> um, but I talk about my own experiences, and that's the only thing that people can really do um, is talk about how how you how you see things differently, and that's the most effective thing you can do. Um, there's no one like it's less effective if you're saying this other person changed yeah. because of this. Like if you're saying. Like I used to, I used to feel this sort of anxiety, but actually, like um, I've realised now that I, I don't, I don't need to believe in that. Um, that becomes a lot more sort of powerful. And I think also just the language that you use to explain feelings and your your life experience changes so much. Um, so just being with someone and just talking to them, whether they're talking about their emotions and how how they're feeling. You're you're coming from a, at a completely different sort of mindset. Before, I know a lot of people, a lot of students, they tend to add fuel to the fire. So someone could be saying, "I'm so stressed about this exam," 
And then I could say, oh my God, me too. I'm so stressed. Yeah. I think I'm going to fail. Yeah. And then suddenly you've gone from like, oh, I don't like this exam to we're all going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In like two seconds. Um, whereas now it would be more like, oh, this person's, I'm like, I'm this, my friend's feeling really anxious for this exam. I can just say like, so why do you feel so much pressure for this? Um, or... Like what? What's the worst thing that could happen? Really? Right. Like, are you going to die? No. Yeah. Like you're fine. And do they hear um, it? It's and it, there's part of me which wants to excuse it because they think that oh, as a, coming from a friend, um, there isn't a. It's not as effective. I, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but I feel like there's a certain sort of skepticism involved. Yeah. Um. And like a lot of friends I've spoken to when I've, I've um, sort of talked through all of this and they still haven't really like seen it or that they, 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 they see parts of it, but then only very fleeting. Mm. Um, and then suddenly they kind of go back into like all the drama at university. Um, so it's, I don't know how to sort of break through in that way. I don't want to be evangelical about it yeah. because really that would just make me come off as a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. um, I think everybody does kind of go down that route maybe when they first come across it because it just, if, yeah. it, if it has such a profound change, like it really did for me again, same as you with massive, massive anxiety and panic attacks and, and really living in the story of not enoughness that when I, when it kind of, when I, when I realized, because I'd heard about it over time for a while, but when I really, really heard and had a different understanding of it, I did, I wanted to share it with everybody. It was like, oh, are you having a bad date? Let's talk about it because if I get something for you, you know? Um, I know that feeling well. <laughs> right. But I do, I, I think just having conversations where it's like inviting them to look in a different direction, which sometimes may or may not come up in the conversation. But honestly, for me, I think the best gift that you can give is just to be present and to be fully present with somebody. And where they're like, huh, you know, like when you're not caught up in your head, you are fully present. And I think that when people get engaged in the story of me too, you know, I'm stressed and oh my God, you know, like, and, and my son and I were having this conversation over like he wasn't feeling well or I wasn't feeling well. And then he got into, well, me too. And you know, like, but it's like when you don't kind of engage back with that, but just be like, huh, you know, tell me more about that or, or kind of, you know, pointing to a little bit of wisdom that, you know, a little flicker of wisdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does. I, I think so anyways, but who knows? yeah i I definitely i I do believe that i believe that is sort of infectious this um Mm. because if you're if yourself have a calm presence and uh, when my friends have sort of met my mum before they they say after it's like she seems like so calm and just so (laughs) sort of i know that there's just there's something about it and um i think when you are sort of present there's because not really many people are yeah. people really notice because they, they notice that you're not frantic or you're not getting sort of caught up in the drama in the same way. And there's almost sort of a curiosity from other people about it. 
Yeah, and that's the nice thing. Your mom sounds like a gem. It sounds like, you know. Yeah, she's pretty all right. <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but just kind of, I think it's amazing. Like, I hope that I have that kind of relationship with my son. Like, he's now going to be 10. And we have a good relationship where we have conversations and stuff. But it really sounds like she's, you know, she's really been a wonderful person to converse with and to even have these, like having somebody, it's just like you have like a three P like on speed dial there. Like, a, you know, but you have no idea how helpful back, it is. Yeah. But just to engage back and forth, I think that that's amazing. What's your yeah. relationship with, like with her? Um, yeah, it is exactly that. We have um, such a good relationship in that way. And I think the best way to deepen your own sort of, feeling your own understanding about it is just to have that conversation and being be in the conversation um so if you're lucky enough to be close with someone who is in with the conversation that it's it's so useful um like it was the other day where i was feeling really sort of stressful about um being over here in france with exams and all of that and um before like this sort of this understanding doesn't prevent you from feeling like that anymore. It just means that those so times are more fleeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not numbing any part of your emotion. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's it's still very much there. It's just you see it in a different light. Mm-hmm. So I was getting very much sort of caught up in my thinking, um, and uh, I I sort of I phoned my mum and um, we were sort of talking about it. And actually afterwards, I just thought, yeah, actually, like it's. Sure, I feel a bit crap now, but actually, I know that tomorrow I'm going to be fine, and that the things that I was worrying about, like they're not worrisome. Yeah, it's it's fine. Like I am deeply okay. Yeah, and it's pointing back to the fact that everyone, every, everyone has that ability to be okay. Yeah. It's so true. Do you ever, I mean, for me, I notice that kind of when I get caught up in my story a little bit more, often it's when I'm tired or when there's just a lot going on that I'm not giving myself, my body, my my time to relax, to look up, you know, it's just little things, but I don't know if you find that. And probably around exam time, it's a little bit more stressful because it's there's a lot, lot going on. Yeah, I definitely feel that I'm. I get more caught up with my thinking, um, either either when I, I haven't really again sort of been in the conversation that much, and I go back to kind of a, a my previous sort of realm of thinking, or um, if I have a lot, if I have a lot of going on, and then your brain's naturally going to be more busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think it is definitely just. It's almost random in a way because, <laughs> like, it, like who knows how sort of emotions really work? Like, we just have these sort of triggers where yeah. there's some days which I've been super busy, but I felt great. Uh, other days where I don't really have much going on, and that I'm I've been caught up so much. Um, so it is sort of random in a way, but um, I just have I have faith in my own ability to swing back to my natural sort of equilibrium in a way. Um, uh, Dan, um, at 20 years old, I just, that's amazing. 
I, I honestly, I just, you know, because there's so many people in our community that say, gosh, I, you know, I wish I would have got this sooner, you know, like, and what a difference it would have made to my life. And I think our life plays out as it's, as it's supposed to, you know, um, mm. for other young people who might be listening to this and who might be think, struggling inside, what's word of advice or bit of advice or is there something that you could share? I would say it's, it's always hard to give sort of singular bits of advice because it is just, it's a journey that you, you go through. Um, but I would just say, try and question what you believe is true all the time. If you can like sort of question the feelings that you feel because they like the emotions that you feel that they are, they are like justified and they are real. Um, but just sort of trying to sort of question where it's coming from, I guess. Um, and also I think just being, being kind to yourself, mm-hmm. like it's, um, being kind to yourself and also th- knowing that it's okay to feel these emotions to feel the broad spectrum of sort of good and bad. I mean, really there's no such thing as good and bad, good and bad emotions. Like there are just emotions. Um, So it's, it's okay to get caught up in your thinking um, because they'll just pass like they, they will pass. Like it might take longer than you would hope, but emotions are transient. I know that certain emotions have, have stuck with me for years at a time. Um, but they will, like, you, you're not good. It's like um, if you hurt yourself physically, like, say, I've just, I cut myself this morning. That's why I've got sort of a bit of a thing going on here. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, that. I was like, oh. Yeah. And I, like, well, first when I cut myself, I'm, I'm thinking, how oh, this, like, really, really hurts. And I'm worried, like, that this is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I'm going to have this sort of, <laughs> It's a big like wound here, <laughs> but then I know now that that's actually kind of that's ridiculous. Gab <laughs> like, over and heal, and then and there might be a bit of like a, a scar left or something, but um, my body will take care of it. Yeah, um, and there's it a similar instructions. Yeah. yeah, it needs no instructions, and um, our body can do the same. It's like um, there's an analogy which I really love. It's um, What's the best way to settle a snow globe? Uh, have you heard that one? No, but I do use a snow globe often or glitter when I'm working with kids. We often make like a little glitter bottle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's so the best way to settle a snow globe is to do nothing. Um. Is to let it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is, it's, you just leave it. And in the same way with our emotions, is that it's best to sometimes just actually try and take a step back um, and not think about what do I need to do to make myself feel great now yeah. uh, or to escape these, these feelings. It's, that's such, even though some people listening may not think so, that's such a wise advice. <laughs> <laughs> and like when we're caught up, when we're caught up in those feelings, we just think like, well, that's a load of BS, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many times where I've, I've got caught, so caught up I think like, oh, like all these principles is just a load of nonsense. And like, I feel so angry now yeah. uh, that there's no way I'm going to sort of like, what question and where it's coming from? Like, who says that? Like, it's, um, 
but then when those feelings pass, we kind of think, okay, oh yeah, I see. Yeah. And I think you hit it like when you said before that, you know, just because we've come across this understanding, it doesn't mean that we don't have these range of feelings. We do. It's just that I think we have an understanding too that it that it will pass. It's just kind of one of these things that if we don't engage too much, if we do nothing, like you say, um, it just kind of hands off. I always say like, you know, like if I'm feeling fairly low or kind of in a low mood or just blah, um, it's the time to be kindest to yourself. Like go for a walk, go have a bath, read a book, you know, listen to some music. Maybe for you, it'd be cooking a beautiful meal. Um, definitely wouldn't be for me for, for that. <laughs> but, and it is, it's the time to really kind of be kind to yourself and just, just, you know, and, and, and if you kind of in, in like be doing something like that, you're less likely to be, um, dancing with the thoughts that are going on in that moment, you know, yeah. with them. definitely. And, um, I, I know though, there are people I've spoken to, sort of adults, um, sort of outside of the sort of uh, three piece sort of community. And uh, when I've talked to about um, my media sort of feeling anxious, and a lot of them say, like, do what you can to distract yourself. And there's something that really doesn't sit right with me when people say that. No. Um, because what we're doing is that we're masking one thought with another thought. Right. And yeah. it's still there, like that underlying feeling. Yeah. it's just we're we're almost of numbing it and you can't numb one emotion you numb everything yeah yeah it's interesting when people come up with all sorts of advice like to me I'm just like again be kind to yourself kind of sit back chill and it's it's like there's this I don't know where this too shall pass and it's so true oh yeah well, I really love that quote um yeah as well it's, I, th- I think the, the origin of it, um, I might be making this up, but it was a, a philosopher or something saying, I think that some, uh, maybe like a king said to someone, um, make me a statement that would make me feel happy when I was sad and make me feel sad when I was happy. Huh. Um, oh. this, <laughs> yeah, because it was like this too shall pass is saying, whatever you're feeling now is transient. So whether like you're feeling sad at some point you'll feel happy in the future when if you're feeling happy now at some point <laughs> yeah. you feel bad like you're there welcome. is a neat, yeah like there is a neutral balance to this yeah like huh. it's um yeah, so you see so many sort of things where it's like um steps like five steps to be happy or uh, all of this yeah. but like it's why are we so afraid of feeling sad like why are we yeah why are we so why are we trying to look i mean sure it's not great feeling it but it's important that it shows that we're human. Yeah. And you, and that's exactly it. It's like, you know, even like when people are angry, it's like, okay, you know what you're, you're, you are, you're human and you're engaged in, you know, in thought and let's just kind of sit with that. You know, it doesn't mean you have to act on it or react to every thought or feeling that you have, but yeah. I'm going to look that up. This too shall pass. I didn't realize that because I mean, it's a quote I've heard so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember where I heard it from. And it could have, I, I could have just made it up in a dream or something. But, um, <laughs> I'll find out and let you know. <laughs> well, Dan, listen, this has been such a lovely conversation. I would love to have you back in, in the future to see or hear how things are going for you. Um, I would love to be back. 
definitely let's stay in touch. But thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks. Yeah, it's been so good. What a great conversation. When I reached out to Dan, I had no idea what we'd talk about. I'd seen him on a previous webinar, and I really liked his presence. I was also curious what the world looked like to somebody who had come across the three principles understanding in their youth and how that transpires as they go through major changes in their lives and just life in general. After I stopped recording, I was talking to Dan, and I just think he's such a gift. And I think moving forward, his ability to sit with people and know that regardless of their struggles, whatever they're going through, that they are and always will be okay, is something that I look forward to hearing how he shares that with others. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. This too shall pass, an adage that reflects on the temporary nature of the human condition. It's a perfect reflection of our experiences in life. Whether they're good or bad, they're temporary. Engaging in anxious thoughts, criticism, fear of failure is not just something that adults do. Many children and young adults dance with these stories as well. They benefit tremendously from having conversations about the power of thought and how our human operating system works. Children and youth are trying to navigate the world as they see it. And as they reach adolescence, they're going through a lot of changes. Try to meet them where they're at, not where you think they should be. Give them a wide berth and create a space where they can talk to you. Doing so will have a profound impact on your relationship. And finally, this one is for all the adults, teachers, and anyone who makes blanket statements about our two young people. For example, telling children that they're not academic or smart or athletic or pretty or skinny or any kind of not enough. You have no idea what kind of impact that statement might have on them. I'm curious to know what Dan's teacher, who said he wasn't really academic, would now say, considering that he's in his third year of physics at university and taking his final year in French. Amazing. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I love hearing from you. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.